everyone. Welcome back to the Warrior EDU podcast. It is already episode seven. And again, for the second straight week in a row, I have my wonderful co-host, Leah Pelletier, here in the house with us, as well as Harrison. Hey, Leah. Yeah, and he's seven weeks old. So, so seven episode weeks. seven, seven weeks old. <laughs> How great is that? Yeah. How great is that? So exciting. I'm happy to see you. How are things going at home? They're going great. You know, we're getting into a, a somewhat of a routine. He's starting to sleep longer stretches at night. So we're a little bit more, you know, sane and, and around here getting more sleep. But yeah, no, things are good. I miss everybody at school getting to that point where, you know, the weather, at least this week was really, really nice. So definitely took advantage of that, but not looking forward to being cooped up here the next few months with the cold. But Ooh, I know it, it was, it was almost strange. You know, it was, it was, uh, for me, anyway, it was almost, and people are, are looking at me like I'm, I'm weird when I say this, but it was almost too warm for me. You know, like it's November. I was, um, I'm just ready for, not for snow and ice and slush and all that stuff, but I'm ready for it to be cooler and stay cooler. It was a little too humid for me. I'm a, I'm a big wimp that way. I don't know. Yeah, I think normally I'm in ready for like the holiday season, but I think just with with having a newborn, I can take advantage of the time to oh, yeah. have my you know my parents came over a little bit earlier today and we sat outside so they can see him at least. So I definitely took it for granted, or I used to take it for granted, and now I took advantage of the opportunity. So oh yeah, yeah. Well, not only was it a big you know great weather weekend, but it was a big week this past week. It sure was, wasn't it? <laughs> Oh my gosh, we have yeah. a, a new president elect and um it's just just an exciting time, just an exciting time around around the nation. I mean, whichever way you whichever way you vote and whichever way you choose, I think election season for me is always a pretty exciting time. I enjoy yeah. watching it. I, I flip back and forth between the news channels just to hear the different takes and I just enjoy the whole process. Right. I think it's a great opportunity with you know, just our social science department, I'm sure too, like being able to have that current time to be able to really talk about politics and the government and the way it works. And I think this sees, I learned things from this year's election that I never knew before, just because it was totally a different process mm -hmm. altogether. It wasn't just that one election night, it was a whole election week, really. Um, so it's kind of a cool way to learn more about things that we don't necessarily talk about every day. Um, and the thing that stood out to me the most from that whole week was really um, when Joe Biden introduced his wife, Jill, who is an educator. Um, and he, the thing that he said was that she's teaching isn't just what she does, it's who she is. And I think that resonates with a lot of educators out there. And I think it describes perfectly our guest for this week, Miss Heidi Dunn. Welcome to the war room, Heidi. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, we are so you. glad you're here, Heidi. And uh, you, you know what? I think Leah's right. When you know when she says that uh, that that quote that really st it really stuck with me as well. Teaching isn't just what she does; it's who she is. You know. Uh, we think of you, Heidi, we think of um, our other, you know, educators and teachers within the district and in, in our profession. And it truly is. I mean, that, that's, that it's what we, it's what teachers do. You know, I, I think it's just not who it's, it's just who you are. Yeah. I frequently, I talk to my students when they're planning on what they're going to do with the rest of their life. I say that education almost has to be a calling um, where you feel it deep inside of you that this is what you are intended to do. And I think I always had that um, kind of feeling deep inside me that that's where I was going. Probably 
um, because I, it's in my roots. My mom was a elementary school teacher. My dad was a um, history professor. And so education was always such an important part of my life, um, even growing up. And then now, you know, it is my life. I, there's so much that I owe to my profession, um, like just the sense of, of being, of placement in the world, um, and my entire family <laughs> um, is part of what you know I've gotten because of becoming an educator. So yeah, absolutely. It is not just what you do, it's who you are. Mm. That's so true. And I think, I think it's the same, um, you know, like I can't say that about, about my uh, story about in education, you know, like my parents were not educators. They didn't, they, my people always ask, I don't know if they ask you this about your spouses, but they always ask if if my wife is a teacher also. And I I say, no, no, we didn't, we didn't, she's not, um, wouldn't have met had I not decided to go back to college. And so uh, I think for some it's, you know, it's, it's natural. It's because your, your parents did it and it's just a path that you follow. And that is obviously the the case here with you and your family as well. Right. Yeah, that is it. Although interestingly, I guess I never knew my parents as teachers because um, my, as I said, my father was a history professor at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee in the 60s and 70s. And then right before I was born in 1972, um, he quit his job literally out of the blue in protest um, over a hiring decision that was made at the university and ended up um, buying the family farm. It was about 100 years old at the time and moving us all out there. My sister, who was two at the time, and then... I was no older than Harrison right there when we ended up on that farm. And then he became a farmer and my uh, mother was a stay at home housewife, but they did everything that they could to instill education and the value of education in us while we were growing up. Um, And that was, you know, that's part of who I became. And my school system was not a good school system that I grew up in. I listened to um, Curtis Mankey's, um, oh, yeah. yeah, discussion about his, and we have very similar backgrounds. Um, I graduated with 88 kids in my high school class. I think he said he had 50 or 30. I don't even remember, but some, yeah. something small smaller number. than 88. I thought 88 was small. Um, <laughs> so I graduated with a, like a small rural high school, but my parents supplemented that like as much as they could as I was growing up. Like I was reading Thoreau when I was 12 because of my father who put it in front of me. (laughs) Well, I think my college college application essay said um, something along the lines of when I grew up, I was a migrant uh, migrant farmhand. I learned how to butcher and render the uh, fat of pigs to create candles and soap. And I was reading Thoreau and Shakespeare by the age of 12. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it was a it was an odd upbringing, basically for anyone. So, yeah. But education was always at the center of that. You know, mm-hmm. I interestingly because of the way I was raised, I feel like if you know when we went into the coronavirus pandemic and it was like, what's going to happen? Is the world going to shut down? I was like, That's okay. <laughs> I know what to do. I can make my own garden. I can, you know, make a candle if I need to. I know, I know wow. how to do what I need to do in order to survive. So meanwhile, my, my husband, who is um, 
had a much different upbringing than I did was panicking and hoarding toilet paper and things like that. So. <laughs> like I could weave my own toilet paper. We don't need this. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. What, what an incredible story. I mean, we didn't even have to ask the, the typical question that we ask all of our guests about your education story. I mean, just kind of blended right into our, our intro. And, and I really think, um, you know, had you not, what we hear about people who who jump ship or or change change uh, professions all the time, and it's usually because of like teacher burnout or or what have you. But but not your dad. I mean, it sounds like he you know still would have been teaching had it not been uh, in protest that he left his position. No, I have to say I wish he had been alive to see this election um, mm. because he would have been very proud and excited about the way it turned out. My dad was very instrumental in the civil rights movement in Milwaukee in the um, mid to late 1960s. And that's, that's why he left his position because they, the history department hired someone via a phone interview for an open position. Um, and then not knowing anything by a name and a resume, they brought her out for the interview and she was African-American and um, a number of people in the department decided that they did not want to go in that direction, even though they had already offered her the job. And he was sitting in, he was uh, the assistant, like head of the department, basically. He was sitting in on all those discussions and he heard what people in his department was saying, were saying. And he was, it was that day that he said, if this is the direction we are going, if we are not choosing someone for this position on the basis of the color of their skin and the pigment that they happen to have been born with at birth, then I no longer want to be a part of this department. And you can take my two months notice is what it was at the time um, and consider me out of this department. And he actually convinced two or three of his colleagues to kind of wow. go with him um, in protest over this whole decision. So that, you know, he, he had a strength of conviction um, that you, you don't, I, I guess it's hard to find sometimes in the world. Like he said, I, I'm out. And my mom, you know, was, I'm out with you. I'll, you know, I've, I'll follow you anywhere. So together, the two of them decided that they were going to start, leave this like fairly well-to-do, I guess, existence and go back to farming, um, which neither of them had done for yeah. 17 years or 20 wow. years <laughs> so yeah that's what i was going to ask was like were they heading into kind of this unknown territory or are they ready to farm from the beginning well it was it they like they both had been raised on farms as they were growing up and they were the first two people in each of their families to get college education um my, it's so funny because my dad, who is probably the smartest human being I have ever known or am likely to ever known, no, he, um, he did barely passed high school. The principal called him into the office about, oh, a semester before graduation and said to him and his two buddies, you two have to get it together. Because if mm -hmm. or you three have to get it together, because if you don't get it together, you're not going to graduate from high school. And uh, they got it together <laughs> and made it out. And then he went on to get a doctorate and teach college wow. and everything like that. So yeah, a very, very different um, kind of background for that. How incredible. It just brings new meaning to, you know, the phrase bought the farm, you know, because they <laughs> really did. 
<laughs> right, and not only was it a just a, a, a like a small farm, but it there was no running water. There oh. was no we had we had electricity, but it was run by a generator. Um, I didn't have a television until I was in fourth or fifth grade at at the home. We didn't have a phone. Um, I remember when I was a little kid, I used to pick up the phone and pretend I was calling like Santa Claus um, because there was a phone on the wall, but it wasn't connected to anything. So like literally Northern Wisconsin cut off from everything, um, all the modern conveniences gone, you know, and just that was the way, that's the way I grew up. So so you would not have been equipped for a pandemic e-learning on the farm. <laughs> for pandemic e-learning, that's for sure. <laughs> Although I did spend a lot of my childhood teaching myself a lot of things. So um, I, I mm. would have been okay. I would have gone to the library, Leah. <laughs> a library? I'm sorry, what? what is yeah. that for? <laughs> I know, crazy. <laughs> Wow. Wow. That, that's just incredible. I, and, and I'm sure that, um, you know, so that, that was through your, your mid elementary years that you grew up in the farm, right? Um, oh yeah. Well, all you, through elementary school, high school until okay. I went off to college myself. Oh, wow. Okay. But I mean, eventually running water and electricity came, came along. Yes. No. Electricity. Yes. Never running water. Wow. So talk yeah. about it. Talk about like hardships. And when you hear kids today and, and um, you know, my, even my own kids like complaining about, oh, I'm so bored. And, and then, and then, you know, the, here's you with no running water, no TV, no, you know, no electricity, um, forget cell phones, you know, I mean, that's just an incredible contrast from what we have today. Right. I talked to my, my son about how our childhoods are very different. Um, I, and I, I guess I can understand some of our uh, students, uh, the student body that doesn't have a lot of things. I can relate sure. to what they're going through. Like I talk, I, I talk to them about, I know what it feels like to not have. I know what it feels like to be different from those around me and to be judged on the basis of what is in my house or what my house looks like or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And that's always been, I feel like a strength of mine as a teacher um, that I can relate to both, like all groups of people, um, those who, who grow up missing something or feeling different from those around them. Um, and I, I definitely felt that when I was growing up. And I feel like I've always felt camaraderie with those kids. Mm -hmm. Like you can, you can do whatever you want, no matter what your background looks like, or no matter, you know, if you made your own clothes, which we made our own clothes, you know, if you're doing that to kind of work from paycheck to paycheck, if you're doing whatever you, you can do, you can do whatever you want that has nothing to do with who you will be, mm -hmm. um, but it has a lot to do with who you will be inside. You know, like I know I can do anything period. And I feel like students who grow up, sometimes we think about what they're missing, but we don't think about what they've gained, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. from that kind of background. And I feel like, you know, I gained a lot, even though I felt also growing up, I was missing a lot. Now I look back and I think to myself, I'm so glad I grew up that way. Um, it's just, mm. it just has created a strength and character that I don't know I would have had otherwise. Yeah, I hope that that's what, you know, after that this generation that they're going through such an interesting 
time and that there's so much that they probably feel that they're missing right now, but that further down the road, the strengths that they've gained through this, I think will hopefully become apparent to them too, just like your childhood was now for you later on. Mm. Yeah, I honestly believe that. I think that the silver lining in all of this and what everything that everyone is going through right now, whether they have like parents who have lost jobs or if they're just missing their friends, missing prom, missing homecoming, you know, all those things that, that, that they're doing. I hope that they, that they understand that this, there is silver lining, you know, there's the ability to be grateful for things that you've taken advantage of before and you've not thought about, you know, letting your mom hold your newborn baby. You know, that's something that you said, I, I took that for granted before and now I will never take that for granted again. You know, and I feel like uh, that's what we're, I feel like the, the strong ones of us, that's what we see coming out of that. Um, my son, when school started this year, he was so thankful. Um, and he is not, he, <laughs> he, he, does, he does not love school. <laughs> <laughs> but this year he loves school. This yeah. year he loves school because he knows that it can be taken away from him. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen so many people like from little kids all the way to their teenage high school students, the friends of mine that have those age kids in school. And they're like, when they finally get to go back, they're just so excited. And they're like, they're never like this on the first day of school. So like, it is something that, yeah, I think throughout all of this, whether, you know, just from, I couldn't have visitors at the hospital when he was born, you know, and so that things that people don't realize that is something that you just, you that's the normal thing that happens when you have a baby is people come visit you at the hospital typically. Right. And, and this time we couldn't have that, but you know, so then the times that my parents have been able to come over is very precious to them and to us. And, and like you said, you, there's things that you never realized would be so, so meaningful and even beyond what you would already think they would be just because they can be taken away from you. Right. Yeah, it just brings up, uh, brings in new meaning to you don't know what you've got until it's gone, right? I mean, it, sure. it's just a whole, a whole new meaning. And um, I love your, your thoughts on the silver lining. You know, um, I've talked a lot about the silver lining this year and, and, and how to find that. And also recognizing, too, that sometimes um, people are just not ready to, for, to hear that, you know. Um, and you have to be able to sit with people in their, in their grief or in their sorrow and, and, um, not not push too hard uh, on that because you know just recognizing that some people are not there yet and not ready and yet you when you were growing up you 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 kind of didn't know what you were missing because that's just what your childhood was but you could definitely you know going to school I'm sure you could see that because other kids obviously talked about things that you didn't have at your home <laughs> I'm yeah. sure no no that's true and you know I felt you know, I didn't, I didn't have this perspective when I was a teenager. You know, I was, I, there were moments when I was an angry teenager. Why don't, why are, is our life not like other people's lives, you know? Um, but it's the perspective that comes with, you know, looking back on a life and realizing what you gain, not what you've lost. Mm. Um, and not that I'm like ancient. <laughs> well, maybe compared to some in this podcast. No. <laughs> Oh, really? I, I, so, so there's another dig at my age. I get it. <laughs> yes, you youthful, youthful man. <laughs> anyway, I, you know, not like, not that, but you know, like, I don't know, as, as you gain some age, you look back and you say to yourself, 
you know, the, the, the bad stuff is all building to become who you are. And if you're mm -hmm. happy with who you are, then that, that bad stuff or, you know, is part of it. You can't let go of that. Oh yeah. Very just, true. just like when I think about like having to do chores as a kid and then when you become a home, we became homeowners and it was like, oh my gosh, my parents did so much like around the house for us that we, yeah, we should have just cleaned the toilets every so often to pitch in a little bit. And now we're like, we can't wait till you can mow the lawn, Harrison. <laughs> like, you know, so it's just like the interesting perspective of that change that way. Yeah, like you said, like there was definitely those angry door slamming teenage years that I had as well. And, and that I did, I, as soon as it was like maybe a month after we moved out and I was like, mom, dad, I'm sorry for all the times that I gave you lip about doing, helping out around the house because it's a lot of work and it's just, yeah. it comes with that life experience. Right. No, yeah, totally sure. agree. Um, Heidi, you, you, what a, just a fascinating story about, you know, where, you know, what, what has gone into who you've become as an, as an educator and obviously as a person as well. And along, along the way, I mean, you've had, you've had triumphs, uh, and you've had challenges. And so one of the things that we always like to talk with our guests on in, you know, in the war room here, as we call it, um, is a, is one of your trench stories, like in the trenches of teaching, you know, um, is there a challenge, uh, whether it was, uh, an, an actual classroom experience or a challenge, um, professionally did you what have you struggled with in education what was a challenge and how did you dig yourself out of that or, or maybe you're still working on that maybe it's something currently that's happening i think uh, two things time and balance mm. um time in that i never feel like i have enough time to do the job and and balance in that i need to figure out what the job is and where it ends and where it begins and that's because of what you know Joe Biden said, we are not just educators, we are, it's, it's who we are, it's not what we are. And I think for me, it's always been the biggest trenches is you know, like when you are getting up at you know, early in the morning so that you can grade papers before class begins. Then you're in your classes with your students and then your prep period, a student comes in to ask a question and you put aside whatever it is you're planning on doing and you're meeting with the, the student at that time. And then your next class comes in and then you know it continues on. Then you have an extracurricular activity. And, you know, for years I directed theater. And so that would end at like seven o'clock at night. So I'd have a 12 hour day and then I'd go home and because I teach English, I'd have to grade papers mm -hmm. and that would be another two hours. And then nine o'clock would roll around and I'd start getting kind of tired. <laughs> and I'd push out maybe another half an hour and then spend half an hour with my husband and then fall asleep and do it all over again the next day. And that was, especially back when I was directing theater, the burnout can be crazy. Um, so always for me has always been a struggle finding the balance when you have to stop and say, okay, this is a moment I need to take for myself. Um, this is a time when I, I just have to, set aside that teacher hat for a moment and not say yes every time, um, but say yes eventually, but give me a minute, mm. you know? That's always been a struggle. And I think will continue to be a struggle until the day I retire. It's just hard to say no when you know, when you feel like so much of what you do is so important to so many people. So true, it, it's, it's such a struggle, you know, um, 
a friend of mine, uh, Lindsay Titus, talks about the difference between balance, and she's she's she stopped saying it, so she instead uses the word blend, and so instead of balancing, it's blending because if you're always trying to figure out how to balance, you're you're if you don't get it right, you're going to feel guilty about something. Right. And so she talks about how can we blend all of these things together in our life because it's not it's not your teaching life and your personal life it's it's all of those things combined that make you who you are, and if we can figure out how to blend them together, you'll be a much more eventually without even thinking about it balanced person, and I love that. And I don't know how to get to that. I haven't I haven't spent enough time thinking about that yet, but I I think about. I think that that's a much better way to look at that and tr than always trying to balance things. Right. Yeah, I get that. Because if you're trying to balance, it's, it's never going to happen. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's just not. There's always demands on your time. Right. Yes. And it, more than just two ways, you know, multiple ways, <laughs> multiple demands on your time. Yeah, trying to find that. And honestly, like looking at Leah in the beginning of her parenthood, you know, the 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 blend or the balance between mother and teacher, um, it was particularly challenging for me, but only because I went 17 years um, being an educator before I became a mother. And so being an educator was what, for many people being a mother, I think was like for me. Mm. And so when um, we finally did adopt my son, who um, we adopted because of my job as a teacher, which we can talk about that wow. too, if you want to. Um, <laughs> but because of that, like I, that balance or blend or whatever you want to say sure. was more, I think maybe a little more difficult for me um, because I, I was older at the time. And so it was harder for me to reassign who I was. That was difficult. Th those were the first couple years were tough years. Sure. Yeah. I know I'm starting this journey and right now I'm, podcasting while feeding an infant and trying to balance or blend that all together. And, and I like, you know, I, this is my eighth year teaching. So not close to 17 years before you had your first, but I feel like such a strong identity as I'm a teacher and that's part of my identity. And now adding this new piece of identity as being a mother and how that's all fits into who Leah is, is going to, is an interesting and doing it right now where I'm not really teaching in front of students like I normally do and so my identity as a teacher has already been kind of you know shifting and balancing and and now adding mother as an identity into it too and it's just it's it's going to be a, a journey for me here I think absolutely <laughs> but a good one yeah absolutely I, lo I love I love that you know that there's the concept of identity as a as a teacher and identity as a as a human being and and thinking about this new concept about blending and thinking about how we can uh, just as as people you know blend those things together instead of you know always saying oh I'm so busy because you know everyone's so busy in their own in their own way doing their own things and so uh, there's just this identity as a mother as a teacher as a as a brother, sister, husband, wife. I think it's so critical that we spend some time thinking about that. And, and Leah, you mentioned the journey and, you know, thinking about the journey that we're on as people. So, whoa, that was deep. <laughs> Real deep up here in this pandemic. <laughs> I, I would love if you would touch, Heidi, on your adoption story of Brady. Oh, sure. I don't know if I've ever told either one of you this story. Well, listen, I, I think it's, I think it's known by, you know, I knew, 
Um, but I don't know if I know the story and I don't know about you, Leah. And I know that, um, you know, for our listeners, they, a lot of them probably won't have known the story, but I think it's critical. And I think it's, uh, I think it's what I know of it. It's a beautiful story. So if you have, if you, if you wouldn't mind sharing a bit. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I think I said earlier how like education is really the basis of everything um, around like that is part of my life. Um, and that has to do, I think, as well with the, my current family. Um, and that's because that my son, well, my husband and I struggled for, for many, many years to have children. Um, and people knew that, kids knew that, that was not, it was not a secret um, because I was always, once we were past the infertility process and that wasn't working and we moved into the adoption process, you know, I had to be honest with my theater kids and my um, my kids in the classroom and say, listen, if I get an adopted placement at any time, I'm going to be gone tomorrow. You know, and we went, we went through um, three failed adoption attempts um, where the birth mother decided within like a couple of weeks uh, before the pregnancy ended that she wanted to uh, mother the child herself. And that was fine and understandable, but it was really difficult for us to move to the next level. So we were working with an adoption agency and they asked us to put a adoption video online to like say why we were looking to adopt and things like that. So we recorded this adoption video. It was literally two days after the end of our last failed adoption attempt. I was so mm. down, you know, I thought like, maybe we'll just raise dogs. Maybe that's what we're going to do. I'll just keep teaching and we'll raise dogs and that's it. And that's going to be our lives. Um, <laughs> but I got a call um, from a former student who I'd had in uh, introduction to theater. And he, he was a theater kid who was um, really, in, like I, I felt very close to him when he was in school, but he had been out of school for about seven or eight years. Um, and he called me and he said, you know, there's something that I want to ask you and give me a call back. So I called him back and he gave me this proposal. He said, um, I'm engaged and she's a wonderful girl. And she and I watched your adoption video and she wants to know if we can have a baby and give it to you. So not we're pregnant, oops, um, but uh, we're not pregnant, but we'd like to be pregnant and we'd like to give you the baby. And so because I guess I made those connections with this boy um, and you know, in the classroom and helping him through a difficult situation in his childhood, um, the, you know, kind of came suddenly, he is asking me, do you want, do you want me to have a baby for you? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> and so you know that that's how that's how Braden ended up um coming into to being I guess we adopted him um like literally before he was born <laughs> oh like I got goosebumps like they, like you know you talk about the gifts that students give you <laughs> and like that trumps every single one. <laughs> it really does. It really I know. My kids said, um, my students at the time were like, well, great. Now I'll never be your favorite student. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Pretty like, hard competition. Uh, <laughs> Pretty much taken care of. <laughs> wow. That, that's almost like a... Um you know, a speechless moment. And I think we just end the podcast now and hang up because where, 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 do, you, where do you go from that? The, the Heidi, the, the connections, you, you brought it up. I mean, 
the connections that we make with kids, if it, you, if it weren't for that connection that you had, um, that's just the, that's just the most beautiful and selfless gift. Uh, I, I think I've ever heard of. Yeah. I can't even, I even like now, you know, it's, it's so much a part of our lives, but you think, you think you're changing your students' lives and oh. then they turn around and they change your life and they do it more than just giving you a baby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so like, every day you know like i feel like this you never know like who's sitting in front of you just the great souls that we are able to teach on a daily basis and you know bring into the world and become part of the world what they're going to give to other people i think mm. it's what keeps me energized and logging on to zoom every day and yeah. looking at those faces or foreheads or whatever it is that i'm seeing on the screen yeah. i think someday that forehead is going to do something good for someone <laughs> <laughs> whatever they're willing to give you that day <laughs> that's right <laughs> oh that's so true though so true you just never know you just you just never know and uh so it's worth it to um to do to come back every single day and give 100 percent because you just don't know do you still uh keep in contact with them oh yeah all the time they're very much a part of our lives i bet i bet wonderful oh i love it yes. <laughs> yeah they are the most amazing human beings on the planet for sure of course that's a, that's incredible i i just can't believe it i can't get over it thank you for sharing that that's that's no problem. just a beautiful story beautiful story what um what would you say to uh, teachers entering the profession at this at this point in their in their career? You know, I think of my daughter Emma, who you, who you know, um, and she, you know, graduated uh, from UW Whitewater, and you know, couldn't get a job this year. Um, of course, a lot of it has to do with with COVID. Um, mm -hmm. Just a hard time to get a job. I mean, what 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 advice would you give to new teachers who, you know, who want to remain passionate and love this love this profession? And you you know, they're going to be naturals at it. Coming into a time like this, I mean, what 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 do you say to them? I guess I would say that it's so worth it. Like it's everything all the struggles that we go through like on a daily basis when you know i've been there i i'm i either my kids leave the classroom physically and i sit down and i think about the lesson or you know they log out of zoom and i sit down and think about the lesson and you know i can be hard on myself and say oh, that could have been so much better you know, or why, why did I do that and not this? Or now I suddenly came up with this great idea. Why didn't I have that, you know, 50 minutes ago when the class started? Hmm. Um, but it's, I, it's the best job in the world. Like you, if you are like starting out right now, this year is different, but you still have the ability to do all the things that you were trained to do. You still hmm. have the ability to touch a student's life. You still have the ability to give them the knowledge that you have and help them find their own way to get the knowledge themselves, even more so now. Like when we talk about COVID and education in the time of COVID, what we are creating, if we do it right, are students who are become independent learners in a way that we've never been able to do before mm -hmm. because they, there's so much more responsibility on them and it's going to make them so much better. Honestly, if like even as students, if 
if they try to be an independent learner, it's going to be such a better situation for them in their future that they're able to do that. So, and I think teachers don't feel like you're, you're failing your students if, if your lesson doesn't go the way that you want it to go. Don't feel like, you know, like I, I didn't do well because you're giving them so much more than what is, you know, what they can memorize as far as their curriculum is concerned or what, what they can remember in the next test. It's just mo much more than that. Definitely. And even though I haven't seen Heidi face to face since March, she's still inspiring me here on this podcast today, even. So <laughs> I love that we could still do this. Uh, I do too. I've missed you so much. Uh, I you guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think that that would be very discouraging initially as a new teacher to be coming into this. But with what you said, being able that you can still have the power to touch students' lives even if it's a forehead that you're touching, <laughs> that, you know, that you never know, you never know who's in your Zoom, you know, meeting room, and you never know what their future is going to hold for them and what impact you had on their life. Right. That's what I love about this too. It's just, absolutely. there's not many other jobs that can say those same kind of things. So, yeah. so true. And I, I've seen such creativity and innovation come out of, of this, this, you know, time of COVID, if you will. It, it's just so, it's just such an opportunity. And, um, and I think that if we really work hard and remember the lessons uh, and remember that, you know, like things that we're hearing here today, um, you, you, just because we can't see each other in person right now does not mean we can't have an impact on one another's lives and perhaps even more importantly right now. So. Agree. And we have to remember that when we're in front of the, the screen of kids. <laughs> mm. It's hard. It's hard sometimes. I get it, but you do have to remember that. So critical, so critical. Well, Heidi, as, as we uh, start to wrap up, we have, we have one more question for you. Um, and it's a big one. What that you, last one wasn't a big one. That was a big. I mean, listen, I listen. Everyone has been a big one. <laughs> this has been a clinic this afternoon. Um, what are you hopeful for? What am I hopeful for? That's it. Man, what am I hopeful for? I'm hopeful for when we see the other side of this thing, that we're all the better for it. Mm. Like I think that's the theme that I've been thinking about this whole year. And like where my whole life has led to, I guess, to this point, like when we see the other side of a dark tunnel, we come out, we should come out as better people. And we want to try to come out as better people. We want to try to come out as better educators, more understanding educators than what we were going into the tunnel. It's tough to remember that in the tunnel when it's just a little glimmer of light, but I have hope that it's, we're going to be better. And what an wonderful like when you said opportunity jeff what a wonderful opportunity we have to make things out of our education system that we haven't had the opportunity mm. to do before and i think it's opportunity that gives me hope that's awesome i think there's power in a shared experience too where like you know good or bad we've years from now oh you were alive during that 2020 pandemic you get me on a different level without even having to say any words you could just look at each other and know that you understand each other on a different level than people that weren't alive right now yet right like class of 2020 <laughs> right you <Thank> do <laughs> exactly yeah so true so true um, you know, and, and I always, I have to remind myself, you know, on the hardest days when, when it is harder to get up 
because sometimes it is, it's just, it's just, you know, I come to school and I, I, you know, you see the same things every day and it's uh Leah, you jokingly, you know, you and I pre podcast to this afternoon, we were joking about the, um, the hallways and, you know, the, like the ghost town here. Um, and, and, you know, even on those days, I have to remind myself that, um, you know, this phrase, that I heard, and we said it on another podcast, Leah, uh, that the darkest nights bring out the brightest stars. And you, you can't get that except on those really dark nights. And so if you can remember that, um, that's a silver lining. If you can remember that dark times, hard times create who you will become, you know, I'll add to who you will become and create character. That is just so true. And you said it, Leah. I mean, we're going to look back and, and this is, I promise everyone, this is a blip in our history. And one that's, you know, going to be a, just a year to remember <laughs> for mm-hmm. sure. It's only, sure. it's only temporary. That's what I keep telling myself. Yeah. I told myself that the first week we brought Harrison home from the hospital, and we didn't sleep for like three days straight. I'm like, it's only temporary. He is, yeah. he is going to go to sleep someday, right? Like, but yeah, but this whole <laughs> this whole thing, it's only temporary, and that yeah. you know, it'll it'll yeah. change, and we'll be better. I, I'm hopeful too, Heidi, that we'll be better for it at the end. Yeah. Absolutely. And then we can continue to see these uh, blips as opportunities. Because it is, it's an opportunity. And so what, what is that opportunity that you're looking for? I think you have to remember that. So Heidi, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been a real pleasure, a real pleasure. Um, besides, you know, people in our district who know how to get a hold of you, if there are other listeners, which we just have millions of them on this podcast, you know, out there in social media, how can people get a hold of you if they want to talk more with you about anything you brought up today? Are you on, I mean, I, don't, I know you're on social media a little bit. I am. I'm not, and not as much as some, um, <laughs> but I am on social media. You can find me on Facebook if you want to, or on Twitter, um, Heidi Dunn at both places or Heidi Westfall Dunn on Facebook. And then um, you can always find me at district 156 website and email me at the school. So also available there anytime. Great, great. We'll put those uh, links in the show notes for people in case they want to, you know, just were struck by something you said and want to chat further with you about that. It happens from time to time. So, um, hey, otherwise, seven months old, episode seven. This has been a good one. Seven weeks old. Seven weeks old. Weeks, weeks. Oh, yeah. We're not in months. Yeah, so. It might feel like months. <laughs> when she said that, I mistakenly Probably. thought that you had only been doing the podcast for seven weeks. So I'm like, what were you doing the first episode in the delivery room, Leah? <laughs> I mean, would you put it past me, Heidi, really? <laughs> no, no, I would not, Leah. <laughs> Don't put it past her. I have learned to say no to some things, and that would be one that I have learned to say no to. Good. Good, good. I tried to talk with Leah about that one time and she's like, don't tell me what to say no to. <laughs> I would definitely not put the video on if I had said, said. <laughs> All you really need is audio for a podcast anyway. Right, right. That's right. <laughs> Heidi, thanks for coming on the Warrior EDU podcast. We so appreciate it. It's been a great afternoon. Leah, we'll see you next time in the war room. Everyone bye, else. Bye, see you, Jeff. Catch you next time. Thank you.